This is not a cliche. We're in a new season. Some people say, I hear that. I hear that all the time. been hearing that for years. We really are in a new season. And God's given us a paradigm for how to live in this new season. You remember back in September. Remember when I, I went and many of you watched The Return. September the 26th and went to D.C. and with hundreds of thousands of others, and it was incredible. I sensed something in the atmosphere changed. It wasn't personality-driven. It wasn't talent-driven. It wasn't entertainment-driven. It was just something happened in the spiritual realm over that place where we're at, and I believe over this nation. And as I said earlier, be encouraged, do not despair. We see some things that are happening. We've, we've seen some things that were being said, but... Hang on, God is not through yet. God is not through yet. You know, and I was also reminded of this scripture in Psalm chapter 2, verse 4. It says, he who sits in heaven laughs. <laughs> he laughs. Adonai mocks them. You know, they, they say, we're going to do this. We're going to tear down this. We're going to do this. And God laughs. He mocks. Be encouraged at what God says. I don't know what the outcome is this going to be. I'm not going to prophesy to you this is what's going to happen. All I know is, is what was just said is God is not worried about things. He's not stepped off as going, I, I, what's happening? Scratching his head. He knows what's happening. Be encouraged. And you know, our faith is going to be tested even more in these next days and weeks and months. If you think 2020 was a challenge for a lot of you, it's going to be, I'm just saying, buckle up. Buckle up your seatbelts. Amen? If you would turn to Ezekiel chapter 44. We, we talked about this last week, about the ministers who were basically ministering to people, but they kind of lost sight of the Lord. And they were kind of doing things because of the perks of the ministry. And God allowed them to stay in that role of priests, which was kind of interesting. But turn to verse 15. It says, so the Levitical Kohanim, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when B'nai Yisrael wandered from me, will draw near to me to minister to me. They will stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood. It is a declaration of Adonai. It's a description in that one verse of valuing ministering to God before ministering to people. In the midst of all this other stuff going on, he said, these sons of Zadok, and that word Zadok, it's the root for righteous, righteous justified, the sons of the righteous, the sons of the justified will come to me. They will minister to me. They will offer fat portions to me. And see, this is a biblical protocol. Now you might say, well, this is just for those in ministry. This is just for those in ministry. And I know that some of you say, well, I'm not in the ministry. No, every one of us is called Every one of us has a ministry. You may not be in the pulpit ministry or the worship ministry, but you all have a ministry. And we need to stop looking at it as the professional 
ministry and I'm just the lay person in the congregation. No, we're all called into that ministry. And there's a protocol in ministry. Draw near to me, to God first, he says, before doing anything in his name. Draw near to him. And that's a protocol for all of us, no matter what we're doing. That's why it's so important when we get up in the morning, who are we coming to first? Besides our cup of coffee, I'm just putting that as an aside, that's at the same time. But remember earlier in, in, in that chapter in Ezekiel 13, early it says, um, they will not come near me. Talking about those priests who were more interested in ministering to people, they said, they will not come near me. Why was that? You see, there was a protocol that God gave to the priests in their original calling in Numbers chapter 18, verse 7. And this is, the, this is what God says, this is the role of the priests. In Numbers chapter 18, verse 7, it says, But you and your sons with you are to maintain your priesthood. For everything pertaining to the altar and inside the parochet, or the veil, I am giving you the ministry of priesthood as a gift. Anyone unauthorized who approaches will die. God took ministry seriously in ministering to him. You had to be authorized to do it. But it's interesting because in the New Testament, we have a, a protocol. And Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So now it's not just the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood. It's we, all of us who are believers in Yeshua. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. So there is a protocol. And, and this is what I've been saying is, is God is calling us into this place of intimacy. To minister to him. What does it mean when it says the priests are to minister to, at the altar? What was the altar? It was a place of sacrifice. But there was also an altar of incense, prayer. And then it said to the parochet, inside the parochet, to the veil, to the very presence of God. See, that's Levitical priesthood. It is ministering in the presence of God. That's what we're called to do is minister to him. He's calling his bride and his leaders back to a fresh intimacy with him so that we will be ready for the season that we're in and that we be prepared to pray for somebody, to speak a word of encouragement, to an act or something that God says, I want you to do this. I want you to go here. God is saying for his bride, to listen to his, what he is saying. And, and how do we hear what he's saying? We spend time in his presence. You know, it's, it's interesting how at the beginning of COVID, I said, this is kind of like an elongated sh Shabbat. We have to stay in our house. We can't go out. The government is even saying, stay in your house. Well, guess what? That was an elongated Shabbat. We're in his presence. If we took advantage of it, we should spend time worshiping him and saying, God, what are you wanting us to do? And then when we, now we've been released from shutdown, we go out and we do because we've been in the presence of the Lord. 
This is the season that God has, has called all of this. I believe COVID and, and all of the craziness of 2020. And God is saying, I'm, I'm speaking to my bride. Awaken. Get up. The t- time of slumber is over with. Come to me. Come to me. So much he wants to speak to us. But he's also wanting to free us from an addiction. An addiction to ministering horizontally. In other words, ministering to people's needs. There's nothing wrong with, matter of fact, after we've been in his presence, he wants us to go and to do. Okay? But we need to be in that place first before we go out to minister to other people and their needs. And that requires a life of brokenness. And, and I just want to share just for, just for a few minutes about my journey of brokenness. And it actually began in 1994. I remember this. And we'd been in YWAM for several years. And we'd been involved in ministry, loved it, and traveled all over. And I remember we were, it was the first time we were ever in Colorado. And we were down in uh, Stonewall, Colorado. Anybody know where Stonewall's at? A few of you do. Yeah, you know, Trinidad, West, 35 miles in the middle of nowhere. Nothing out there. Nothing out there. And I remember the challenge came forth, and I don't even remember who gave it, if it was Floyd McClung or somebody. Just go to the Lord and just say, Lord, whatever it takes for me to walk in that place of brokenness. And I remember going out on a walk. I call it my walk in the Rockies. And I just went out into this trail across the street from where from where we were, and I just said, God, whatever it takes. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a breeze. I'm making, I'm saying the prayer, and it's going to happen, Kent. You know what it's like. You just say the right words, and God says, I love your heart. I'm just going to, this, bam, 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 blessing, blessing, blessing. And that began a season of brokenness, and it really was a hard, hard time. It felt like death. Ministry, in a lot of ways, felt like death for me. I mean, I had some good things, don't, and God used me. I don't, don't get me wrong, but there was just something that was, he was causing this, this feeling of death that the focus is not to be on what you do. I'm calling it in myself. And, and at times I felt very isolated, and at times depressed, and, and my wounds from earlier were coming to the surface. God is, and God will do that, allow those wounds, not so that we can, oh, God, this feels so bad. But he wants to bring healing into those areas of woundedness. And he will allow us into these seasons. He will actually lead us into these seasons of brokenness so that we can deal with that woundedness. And there were some unfulfilled dreams that, that I was like, God, what is going on? And all of these things were happening. And this was over, started in 1994. And it went on for several years. And I'm not saying that all that time I was just a mess. Well, maybe I wasn't sometimes. But, I mean, I was like, God was dealing with me really in some deep things. And it kind of came to a culmination when we moved to Israel. My dream fulfilled. Here we are in the land. And then we're kicked out of the land. As soon as we're in, we're in there six months and we're kicked out. I mean, we are actually physically deported from Israel. And I'm like, God, what is all this about? And, 
and I remember that, you know, we, we couldn't do anything but pray and worship God because we knew that we knew that we knew he called us to do this, and yet it just seemed like everything had just died. And it had been, a, for me, a process of several years of death. And so we're praying and we're worshiping because, man, we didn't have anywhere else to go. And the Lord spoke to us, and I've shared this before in out of Isaiah chapter 63, verse 16. He says, for you are our father. This is what Isaiah says, for you are our father. Even if Abraham would not know us or Israel not recognize us, you, Lord, are our father, our redeemer from everlasting is your name. And the Lord came into our place of worship. Remember that? And, we, and he was like right there. And he said, Israel may not recognize you. They may not receive you, but I'm your father. And there's just something that broke when that happened. I'm not saying everything was just peachy keen after that, but I knew that I knew that I knew that God brought me through all of those things to bring me through that season, that season of, of brokenness. And it's brokenness for a good thing because he wants us to be our spirit, our pride, our, our stuff to be broken. He wants us to come to him to receive healing in the area of woundedness in our lives. But here's a point I want to make is the season that we're in, it's an opportunity to treasure the prayer room over the platform of, of ministry. Let me say that again. Treasure the prayer room over the platform that ministry may give you. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this this morning and how, you know, we were deported from Israel. And it was humiliating, 2001. Back to 1994, and, I, and I'd forgotten about this. But I was traveling with Floyd McClung, and we were, um, he invited me to go with him to South Africa to do a ministry trip. And Floyd is very well known. And he's all known all over the world. He's known in South Africa. And we get off the plane in Cape Town, South Africa, and these security guys take our passports and they greet us, and they walk us off the plane in front of everybody, and they walk. We didn't have to stand in line at at um, customs or or immigration. We went right through all of that stuff. They're holding our passports, and all these generals in uniform were greeting us, because Floyd was was being he was a man of honor, and they were honoring him. And I just happened to be with him, and I'm like, this is great. This is the kingdom, and I love it. And then the Lord reminded me, and then I'm deported, humiliated six years later in Israel, taken onto a plane, and they were not nice when they did that. As a Jew in my homeland. But see, God gave me those bookends. Coming into South Africa, treated like royalty, not having to stand in line, just, you know, having people greet you that, and it wasn't me that they were, believe me, it was not me at all. And we're driving into to Cape Town, and there's there's billboards that are um, what do you call those um, lighted billboards that you know that Trinitron kind of thing, announcing Floyd McClung being there, you know. And I'm like, I'm driving with this guy. I'm coming into the, so. But the point is, is that God wants us to be in that place, on our knees, ministering to Him. And yeah, there will be openings, there will be opportunities. And, but the problem that so many of us, and 
in ministry, and, and, but even those who are not in professional ministry, what am I getting my worth in? What am I getting my value in? Am I getting my significance from doing? Am I getting my value from doing things? And people going, wow, that was really good. Wow, that was really awesome. Wow, you're really... That's the horizontal ministry that I'm talking about. And see, the pursuit of these things, if, you're, if that's what we're pursuing, it's a cover for wrong priorities in our spiritual life. They sometimes cover things that may be wrong in our marriage or in our, in our personal life, in our, in our relationships. And God is, ex- we've seen that even in the last couple of years where big ministries were exposed for things because, and I remember my pastor, Pastor Dan, so many times he said, God is more concerned about our character than he is our comfort. He's more concerned about our, our character than he is about our being known far and wide. He's more concerned about our character than even our giftings. And see, sometimes we, we mistake our giftings for character. And God will always, when we allow him, he'll always go deep into that area of character because he wants to tweak that. That's why he wants to, to use these seasons of brokenness to go to those areas of woundedness so that we can deal with them, so that we can minister in wholeness. First to him as we come through that parachet, that veil, and we come into his presence. That's where real ministry takes place. You know, as we saw the tribes gathered around the tabernacle, the Mishkan in the wilderness. And then in the midst of that wilderness is that, in the midst of that Mishkan is that, that um, the courtyard and then the holy place and then the holy of holies. And then there's that presence, there's that cloud and then there's just that pillar of, of, of fire and that's where God wants us to be focused on is his presence, that question, that, that pillar of fire. And yes, he will use us. He's given us giftings. A question that I want to put out to all of us, do I have more of a need to be heard or to hear from God? Do I have more of a need to be heard by others or a need to hear from God? And God will orchestrate seasons where others don't want to hear anything you got to say. And that's where we need to be listening to him. And you know, there's a, sometimes when you get a promotion, you get greater influence, it also creates opportunities for the enemy to come and attack. The levels of attack will be even greater. The degree of attack will be greater, greater. There may be the viper that strikes. What is a viper? It's a, it's a, it's a poisonous snake that just strikes out at you. Or maybe that python that squeezes. Now, what's a python? It's also a, it's a snake, but you know how it kills its prey? It squeezes them to death. That's that undealt with iniquity, undealt with sin, those, un, those areas of woundedness that not be dealt with. And they feel like you're, you're being squeezed and you feel weary and there's a loss of passion. It's very subtle but because it takes place over time. And that's what had happened to me, this python. And you see with that, when, you, when we're released into a greater authority, God wants to deal with that python. 
Or there may be that Jezebel that wants to silence. See, that's what the ministry of Jezebel is, is to silence the prophetic. Is to go after your voice, to shut you up. That Jezebel. Or there may be that Saul, that, that abusive authority that's hurling that spear. And we need to learn how to deal with that. And see, this is what these seasons are all about. We need to guard our hearts from these things. And if there's something that is persistent in your life that you just can't seem, we sang about victory and declaring victory and making those proclamations, and there may be something that there, you just cannot get that victory, we need to go and say, Lord, what is it in my heart that's stopping that? Turn to James chapter 4. In verse 4, James 4, four or Yaakov, actually the book of Yaakov, chapter 4, verse 4. You adulteress, or you adulteress, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that in vain the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit which he made to dwell in us? But he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says God opposes, opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God but resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, God allows us to walk through these seasons in order to get rid of these things that hinder our intimacy with him. I remember in the 1980s, and I was just a young disciple, just coming to the Lord just a few years, and, and I remember these big-time ministries. We used to wake up every Sunday morning and watch Jimmy Swaggart ministries, and, and, you know, and then all of this stuff happened, and you know what it is. I don't want to revisit it. But we saw these ministries fall. There was pride there. There was accusation and blame. And it was a black eye on the ecclesia, the church at the time. You see, there had been an addiction that God is trying, was exposing, an addiction to that kind of horizontal ministry. But it always tries to creep itself back in to the body of Messiah. Oh, Lord, break the back of ministry addiction in your bride. That's one of the things that he is doing in this season. Break the back of that kind of where, our, where we get our value, our significance, our needs met by people. Lord, break the back of that in the name of Yeshua. He's calling Zadok to arise the priests, the sons of Zadok. In the midst of this craziness. You know, there's an interesting verse I saw in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 21. I don't know if you have that. Oh, you do. For the shepherds are stupid. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? For the shepherds are stupid. They have not sought Adonai. Therefore, they have not acted wisely, and all their flocks are scattered. Wow. 
What an indictment. God is saying to his bride, arise. He's allowed us to go through these seasons. Y'all go through a personal season of brokenness, but I believe that 2020 has been a, a corporate season of brokenness for his bride. I really believe that. Because, see, there's always a reason why God wants, why he allows us to go through these. It's a time of great authority. Great authority is to be released. That God wants you to walk in the authority that he's given you. It's going to be authority over demons, disease, and regions, I believe. God has given his bride authority, and we haven't been walking in it. And God is saying, get rid of these things so that you can walk in the authority that I've given you through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Matthew 28, he says, I've been given all authority. Now you go and you do this. You be my carriers of glory. You see, that authority that he wants us to walk in can only be accessed through intimacy and faithfulness in the secret place, in that place of, of prayer. And God spoke to me many years ago and out of John 15, verse 4, actually out of that whole chapter. This is, I got to tell you, this, this is kind of an interesting. God came to me. It wasn't, he didn't, it wasn't the person of Yeshua, but there was this, this entity, this spirit came into this room that I was in. It was in a hotel room in Yakima, Washington. You know Yakima. And I was at a conference. And um, I was stoned out of my mind. I don't say that, to, to, but, but I was a believer. And I had been delivered from drugs. And then I was going on this business trip. And I fell. And my friend gave me some, some um, really good marijuana. And so I'm in this hotel room. And I smoked it, and I'm like, this is, whoa. Millie wasn't with me. And I just remember, this is, and I'm, I'm thinking, this is not good. This is not right, Lord. And he spoke to me out of John 15. But in this verse, he says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. The branch cannot itself produce fruit unless it abides on the vine." Likewise, you cannot produce fruit unless you abide in me. But it was like the Lord himself was in the room, speaking that whole chapter of abiding in him. He didn't beat me up and say, you low-life scum, how could you do this? After all I've done for you, he should have done that. But just that love came in. And I tell you what, that was that. never have I ever had a desire to do any of those things since that day. And yeah, come on, Washington. And see, God got a hold of me, and he, said, and he began, I didn't even know what intimacy was. I didn't even know what abiding in the vine. I was only a new believer, maybe one year. And I didn't know what abiding in the vine meant, but I just, he was speaking to me. He said, I'm your source for everything. You cannot do ministry on your own unless you abide in me. This is a message for us today.
You see, there's a one of the messianic communities in the book of Revelation. We were talking about Revelation today, Joyce, that we're in that book of Revelation. And, and I encourage you to read that, the whole book, but the, the first chapter's in the different messianic communities, churches. In the church of Sardis in Revelation 3.1. Why didn't I write that down? Oh, yeah. To the angel of Messiah's community in Sardis write, Thus says the one having the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Imagine getting that message from the Lord. But Lord... We've been doing all these things. We have worship services seven nights a week, eight nights a week. Lord, we're doing all of these things. We have a re- Everybody knows us. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. They appeared alive, but they were dead inside. So you can, get dr- you can drown in the works. You can be so works-focused and good things happening, but you've lost that first love. So, that authority, what does that look like that God's calling us to walk in? What does it look like? We get some pictures of that in the scriptures in Mark chapter 1, verse 21. And they went into Capernaum right away on Shabbat. He, Yeshua, entered the synagogue and began to teach. And they were astounded at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the Torah scholars. You see, Wendy, you want to come up here? We're going to be getting into worship here, just closing in worship. We're going to be closing in a few minutes. But okay, Yeshua walks in, opens up the scripture, and reads, and there's authority upon him. And they knew, the people watching knew the difference. And they said, man, he's not like the Torah scholars. Shoo, man, that went right to my heart. Do I want... I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a a scholar of the Torah. Absolutely. But I want to have that intimacy. That's That's where that authority comes from. Just knowledge doesn't make it. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. But am I walking that authority that Yeshua had? Every time I speak, wherever I go, whatever I... I say, Lord, you anoint whatever words that I have. Lord, I don't want to say anything... That is not from your heart. And unfortunately, there's been times when I've said things that were not from his heart because it sounded good. Or people responded the way I, I wanted them to respond. And God catches me short. You see, they, these, these people in Capernaum, they knew Kafarnahum, by the way. That's the Hebrew name, Kafarnahum, the village of Nahum. They heard these Torah scholars their whole lives. But what was the difference when Yeshua got up? And I'll tell you what the difference is if you go farther down in that chapter in Mark. In verse 35, he says, very early, very early, while it was still night, Yeshua got up, left, and went away to a place in the wilderness. And there he was praying. His priority was being with his father. This is Yeshua. This is Emmanuel, God and man. And yet he felt it necessary He had to be with his father. He did nothing, said nothing without his father leading him to say or to do. That was his priority. That's Yeshua. Should our priority be anything less?
The disciples saw that. They saw that. They probably were like, we're making breakfast. Where's Yeshua? You know, and, and maybe at first they were like, I don't want to get up early. Man, we had a full day of ministry and getting up early. And, but Yeshua is with his father. And we know that the disciples saw that then. We know the disciples learned from Yeshua because in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, the authority, and they figured out that they were with, without, they were laymen. They were laymen without training. And they were amazed. The people were amazed. And it says, they began to realize that these men had been with Yeshua. That's where authority comes from, is us being with Yeshua. No other place. All other authority, as a matter of fact, is illegal authority. Ooh. All other authority is unauthorized. That's what God says in Numbers chapter 18 to the priests. If they're not in my presence, then it's unauthorized what they're saying. And this should be speaking to us. Not just the leadership, yes, to the leadership, but to all of us. You see, it started with this last week, and I'm just about, just about at the end. If we want his glory... It's worth allowing that judgment of things in our lives. Allowing him like we saw the wind blowing this morning. And wind is good. Wind blows away all that stuff that doesn't need to be there. Invite that wind to blow away the stuff that doesn't need to be in our lives. That we've got our perks from. That we've gotten our our significance from. God says, I want to... I want to bring my glory in your midst. But my glory can only come when you get rid of your this, pride, your sin, your flesh, attitudes, unforgiveness, bitterness. Deal with these things. God gives us opportunity to deal with these things. And it's so much easier today because we got a cell phone. We can actually call somebody and say, you know what? When I said that or when I did that, would you forgive me? As a matter of fact, it says to do that before you bring your gift to the altar. You leave your gift at the altar and you go and you do that. Would you stand with me? I just want to close with this. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. You know what? Why don't we all read these together? <clears throat> Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Examine me and know my anxious thoughts. Verse 24. Verse 24. It's coming. Well, let me read this from 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Examine me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any offensive way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
This is a cry from David's heart, inviting the Lord to search him and to judge his heart. It's good. And we see David's life, read Psalm 50, I mean, yeah, Psalm 51, when he, man, he, an adulterer, a murderer, and yet God says, he's a man after my own heart. Search our hearts. And this is what, this is the season that we're in, is asking God to search our hearts. You see, because he wants us to draw near to him. And what happened to the high priest who's called to minister to the Lord and he goes into that place of his presence one day out of the year and that Yom Kippur, his heart needed to be pure or he would die in his presence. See, God is calling us to that place of intimacy. He's calling us to draw near to him. And as we do that, expect him to show you beliefs, mindsets, attitudes, actions that need to be swept away. Not because he's angry with you, because he loves you. Just like visiting me in that hotel room and, and just pouring out his love to me in the midst of my sin. God wants to do that to all of us. Allow him access. And that's where our, we have to allow him access to our hearts. And when we give him access to go into those places, He's faithful to bring healing, restoration, alignment. And then we can walk with that God-given authority. Amen? Father, in the name of Yeshua, for each one of us, Lord, Lord, I raise my hand and I say, Lord, go to that place in my heart. Lord, search my heart, know my ways. Lord, lead me in the paths of life. Lead me in the paths of righteousness. Father, go into each and every one of us, Lord. We give you permission to go into those rooms. Lord, sweep away anything, Father, that is not from you. And God, I pray for desire, for intimacy. Desire, desire, desire. It starts in that place of prayer, in that place of in your own closet, away from the maddening crowds just being in his presence. Amen. Amen.